We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flashback Flicks podcast. I'm Ricky. And I'm Grayson. And today we are talking about uh, the first movie in our megathon, When Harry Met Sally. And the first movie that we've reviewed that has an ellipsis in the title. <laughs> Wait, there's, uh, what? Yeah, officially, When Harry Met Sally, dot, dot, dot. Ah, uh, look at that. So it is. Yeah. Punctuation is important. It is. If it was a question mark, you would just sound dumb. When Harry met Sally? When it was Tuesday. To... <laughs> yeah. No, and uh <laughs> Yeah, the uh this is going to be the first uh movie of four that we are watching during the month of February. Uh so and the common thread is Meg Ryan and they're all romantic comedies. Yes, and, and this one was a little different from the other three. Because this was the only one uh, that is not with Tom Hanks that we yeah. will be covering. So, When Harry Met Sally, 1989, Meg Ryan, Billy Crystal, New York City, and a little bit of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, so this movie uh, originally came out in 1989, like we said before. And it actually came out in the summer of 1989. Uh, an interesting fact about that is that not many people were expecting for this movie to do as well as it did. Um, the movie was up against uh, Batman that came out in 1989, Ghostbusters 2, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like, all these movies came out during that summer. And when Harry Met Sally came out, uh, it opened in just 41 theaters, and it already grossed a million dollars. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then, it, um, and then it opened nationwide, and the rest is history. Uh, but yeah, this was a movie uh, written by Nora Ephron. Nora uh, Ephron, yeah. No, no relation to Zac Ephron. Not that um, I know of. <laughs> uh, she is also uh, the writer of several other Meg Ryan movies, such as Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, uh, and Julia Julia, not a Meg Ryan movie. No. Uh, but she has written other movies. Uh, and... It was directed by none other than Jess's dad, um, and New Girl. <laughs> that's how. I, that's that, that's how his I... most famous, you know, role ever. <laughs> Rob Reiner. Yeah. So not not all in the family. It was New Girl. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I know him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Rob Reiner, he and Billy Crystal actually have a fun history together. They actually met each other through. Uh, all in the family. Hmm. Um, he, I forget when he made his cameo, um, but uh, they've known each other ever since then. Ever since then, um, and that's friendship nepotism is how <laughs> he uh, kind of got involved in the project. That's the business. Yeah, because they they okay. I found my notes. Yeah, they actually played best friends in All in the Family. Oh, and, uh, okay. So he yeah. he was Billy Crystal was Michael's friend. Yes, got it. Yeah, and actually, a lot of the conversations between um, Harry and his best friend Jess, played by Bruno Kirby, were inspired by the friendship between Billy Crystal and Reiner. And hmm. so, like the scenes where Harry and Sally are watching the same movies from different apartments, 
Vib. That was them. Or at least I'm assuming. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's dangerous to do that with certain parts of this movie. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and another friendship thing uh, (laughs) is um, Carrie Fisher, um, who plays uh, Sally's best friend, Marie, is BFFs with uh, Reiner's ex-wife, Penny Marshall. So oh. there were there was a lot of uh, experiences being pulled from real life uh, for this movie. Uh, another interesting thing, just in the history and the making of the movie, is that uh, by the end of the movie, uh, Reiner uh, fell in love because he was introduced to uh, Michelle Singer, who was the photographer for the film or the DP, the director of photography, and they married the same year the movie came out. Oh, um, but the writer. Uh, Nora Ephron, they were just good friends, and a lot of the experiences that they were talking about that we see in the movie uh, happened and actually derived from their actual friendship, um, the, except for the whole falling in love part. Um, so Reiner um, divorced Penny Marshall in 1981 after 10 years of marriage, uh, very similar to what happened with Harry's relationship. Uh, but when he mm. met with Nora Ephron in the mid eighties, he pitched a number of ideas for the movie. Um, kind of t- basically what we saw. Um, and Ephron agreed to write after extensively uh, interviewing Reiner. And the two had many discussions about how men and women uh, view love and relationships completely differently. And so that's kind of how we got this movie. And uh, and the last little history of it is that in the original draft, uh, they did not get together. Oh, really? Alternate ending. Yeah. In the original draft of uh, the the, uh, movie, they did not get together. And I'm glad that that did not happen because... Yeah, I really love the way that the movie ended. Um, I thought it was a sweet ending, um, but that's uh, that's the uh, history I have on it. So, at what point did the ending divert from what we what we see now? Does he still do the speech about "I love how your nose crinkles" and it takes you an hour to order a sandwich? Like, did he uh, say all that? And she just went, "No, I don't think so." From my understanding, uh, it was just the first draft. I think, like, the first draft, Efron didn't think that it was very believable uh, that they would be together. But I think after several rewrites and different uh, things that they put into the story, they brought it together so that it would make sense. Because it's it's similar to, I, I would say, like, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, yeah. Without giving any spoilers away. Like, un- unless you have evidence supporting the choice to make the ending work that way. Um, it would make sense in one version, but if you take away certain things and it wouldn't make that much sense to have them, we get together. Evidence is a good word for it. And it's not something that we've talked a lot about, but whenever you have the premise of a film, usually you one should be able to identify what the thesis of your film is essentially. What are you trying to prove? And then does each scene work towards proving one way or the other for whatever opinion or stance that you've taken? So on the, the, what do you call it? The poster for when Harry met Sally, it says it right on the poster between them. Can two friends sleep together and still love each other in the morning? That's kind of the, the premise. And they, they talk about it throughout the movie and different different scenes all leading up to it. And then you see the ramifications. Um, but yeah, 
does the evidence support the conclusion? And I think in this case, it does. Yeah. I guess we'll go ahead and get into the review of the movie. Uh, It's such a great uh, love story. I love love this movie so, so very much. And it it poses the question. You know, there's a, I I would say age-old question, but this movie came out in 1989. I I felt that was a weird thing. Like, because we saw this movie for the first time. Uh, Well, actually, did you see when we watched it in class? uh, Was that the first time you saw the movie? No, I had seen it before. Okay, that was my first time seeing the movie, mm. uh, and I loved it. Uh, I was like, "This is great!" and uh, and I guess because you know the movie starts in 1977, yeah. in my brain that's I just assumed that's when the movie came out. Oh right, um, but just seeing that it's like it came out in 1989, like it's it's a modern movie, uh, but it does ask the age old question of like, can um, men and women in a heteronormative uh, kind of environment, can they be friends? Can they just be friends? And that was something that I, uh, just me being who I am, I I have a lot of uh, female friends. Like, Brag, brag, brag. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) and that was uh, not necessarily because of, uh, I don't know why. I I just, it kind of happened. Uh, but I've, I've never, I've always been the person who was arguing for, yes, of course guys and girls can just be friends. Like there doesn't need to be anything attached to it. It can happen. Um, and I, it was so interesting to see this movie and how like that was one of the main points of the movie. Um, but it also kind of evolved from that to just kind of tell the story of when Harry met Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that that that's how this movie is marketed. It's just like, can men and women really be just friends? And I feel like there have been other movies that have played more towards that. Um, I think like uh, Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds, I think, is a movie that's more about that premise mm-hmm. than it being like a rom-com about like these two uh, people who have been a part of each other's life over the course of uh, 12 years and three months. Uh, and that, well, the sexual element has also been explored with movies like friends with benefits. Yeah. What's the other one? <laughs> um, the, that was the Justin Timberlake one was friends with benefits. And then Ashton Kutcher had no strings attached. Right. Um, which for longest time I thought was just a, a live action Pinocchio. <laughs> um, I have no strings to hold me. Got it mixed up with the Jonathan Taylor Thomas version. <laughs> yeah, I just love this movie. I, I love it so much. It, I forgot how much I loved it. Like just from them starting out in the seventies as college kids, and then five years later, uh, kind of remembering each other. Uh, Harry awkwardly bumps into Sally the same way that ha- Sally first awkwardly bumped into Harry with both of them. Like sucking face with each other's respective such a disgusting (laughs) phrase but yes they Uh, were sucking face yeah um and yeah she uh sally's making out with joe in 1982 um and then the they go to the airport and they run into each other like i just love the little vignettes that they have um another interesting fun fact is that the the couples being interviewed in between each of the scenes oh yeah so I remember 
when I first watched it, I said, I want all these love stories to be true. And they are. Uh, each of those love stories are being acted out by actors, but all of those stories are true stories. So that made That's the... sweet. Yeah, that made the hopeless romantic in me just super uh, warm inside. And then uh, I love... So I just liked how they just popped into each other's lives like throughout these random spurts of time. So uh, first jump was five years later. Uh, and then uh, next jump was five years later. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Joe and Sally broke up. Uh, and that scene, uh, well, Leia, Princess Leia, I love the time of this. The uh, She pulls out a Rolodex and starts looking for different people for uh, to set up with Sally. Mm -hmm. uh, and she dog ears the married guy. He's like, oh, what about this guy? He's married. Dog ears him. Married. Mm -hmm. um, and Carrie Fisher did an amazing job. Uh, and so, and then it's the same time where um, Helen dumped Harry. And that whole scene where they're at the football game and he's telling the story to his best friend and they're doing the wave throughout the entire scene. I'm just like, this is just a perfect scene. Like the beats in this scene are just so perfect. It's just like, it's like watching stand up material on film. Like mm -hmm. he, he said, and that's not even the worst part. What's the worst part? It's all a lie. Whoa. <laughs> Do the wave without skipping a single beat. I'm like, I just want to frame i want to frame this scene and just hang it above my mantle you and i used to do an improv exercise where we had to explore relationships while pretending to catch a ball like just play catch with the other person yeah that's right and i think that seems a really good example of it that they're talking about relationships and never establishing that they are at the game except through the wave basically yeah um and because when you're at a place very rarely do you continue to comment about the place that you are in. Yep. Absolutely. Unless maybe you're waiting for a table at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. But you don't sit at a, at a game going, wow, we're in the stands. Yes, we are. We are, we are at a sporting match. Yes, I'd like to get some hot dogs <laughs> at this football game. That's not, how, that's not realistic. <laughs> and, and so watching this scene, it just seemed really well crafted. They do that a lot throughout this uh, movie, you see them going through all these lovely New York locations and they're not like talking about like, Hey, look at how beautiful this park is. Or, Hey, let's talk about this bookstore. It's about the relationship between them and everything is just background. And mm -hmm. it just is the setting with the exception of them being at the new year's party, uh, which was like both of those scenes are just some of my favorite scenes. Uh, where Meg Ryan is like laughing at the joke, I'm leaving, you'll never catch a cab. <laughs> he just goes right back into like pretending to laugh at this guy's joke. I just love it. Like the scene, yeah. the, the, the movie does such an amazing job at just visually showing and telling you these relationships. And it's, it's, it's so conversation heavy, um, but I feel like it fit very well for this movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I love the the point about the the scenery and the setting too, because there are little jokes that are thrown in there that are enhanced by the the setting. Mm -hmm. um, the wave just 
supports that scene. But whenever Harry is in the bookstore and he's looking at Sally and Carrie yeah. Fisher says, there's a man staring at you by personal it's, growth. Yes. And it's like, oh, that's really good. Or when he's uh, on the karaoke machine and he's, he's singing uh, Sir with the Fringe on Top, singing loudly into a microphone at a time when he is about to just want to disappear. Yeah. Um, and so it, it serves as a catalyst for that interaction. One of my other favorite scenes that they use visually is the split screen where they're watching Casablanca at the mm-hmm. same time. Uh, before I even saw this movie, uh, I I used to do that with uh, one of my middle school crushes. We would watch Mad TV on the phone together. Because um, yeah, wow. that's <laughs> good for you. <laughs> and with that, happened, all like, very <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, when I first saw that, I was like, that's, oh man, they are, they're getting me. Um, and not only is this sweet moment, but it's also um, a throwback to a, a movie in 1959 called Pillow Talk. Um, oh. So, I thought that was a horror film. <laughs> uh, it's not. Um, oh. So, here's the thing. The um, back in 1959, um, the Motion Picture Production Code um, set moral guidelines for all the movies released by major studios, and movies weren't allowed to show a couple in bed uh, together or any sort of sexual relationship between unmarried partners. It was just like movie law back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the law was later abandoned in 1968, uh, but Harry and Sally were kept apart. Um, ironically to show that they are just friends. They're not even, they're not like laying in bed together or anything like that is to throw that throw back to that. But we will leave a link uh, to that in the show notes and on our Twitter uh, plug in the middle of the show. Uh, so you can kind of see the side by side comparison of those scenes. Cause it's two people on the phone talking to each other, doing kind of like the same thing. Uh, like one is like the couples are like in the bathtub talking to each other on the phone. Kind of thing. It's like, oh, they're not naked together. Yeah, they are yeah, separate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. they might get electrocuted, but they are separate. <laughs> they are separately uh, electrocuted. Which is why with movies like It Happened One Night, where they, they put the, the wall up, the sheet between them, uh, it was so scandalous when in the final shot, the sheet falls. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, they did it. Oh, they did it. Oh, yeah. The uh, I love how they reference Casablanca because for a long time, um, Casablanca was the go-to like quintessential uh, love story couple that people would point to a lot uh, mm-hmm. as film. It's just like no, listen, these couple like this is the kind of love that people wanted to have. And then Harry, when Harry Met Sally came out, like that kind of became the movie. Like it, it. There wasn't a movie quite like when Harry Met Sally um, until it came out. And so many other movies from it kind of created that uh, that genre in itself. So I love that homage to that movie in respect to this movie because it, like, it paid homage to its roots, really. Yeah, and both of them deal with that idea of missed opportunities that if, oh, yeah. if anybody had made a different decision that things could have ended up differently. Mm-hmm. But for When Harry Met Sally, it's a happy ending. Yeah. I mean, you could say it's a happy ending in Casablanca, but, you know. Spoiler alert! (laughs) For Casablanca. 
it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, I, I just I love this movie so much, I, and it's it's hard for me to uh, to dissect it too much, uh, just because like when I was rewatching it, I was re-experiencing so many of the feelings that I felt when I first watched it. I was just like, oh man, like at the ending scene, like I cried. I'm just like, oh, like what like why no man like i i just loved it i loved how uh how much in love they were and how when they were just friends they really legitimately loved each other just as friends mm-hmm. and and to see and acknowledge like how they could like be there for each other and how that turned into a romantic relationship it it was just great um and it it was just super fun to see. Uh, I, I think one of the things that I saw that was super interesting to me that I didn't notice the first time I saw it was how much they had changed over the last couple of years mm-hmm. or, or each time jump, really. Because, you know, when they first meet, they are like fresh out of college. You know, Sally's 21. And so then... At each, <laughs> I liked how each time the time jumped. So I was like, well, I'm 26 years old and <laughs> I can do whatever I want. And she's like, well, I'm 31. And I thought that <laughs> like she just announces her age in those ways. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked how the the relationships um, changed. Like five years after Harry and Sally first met, she couldn't remember one of her closest friends at the time. I'm like, oh, man, that's like crazy to think about. And then um, five years later, like, or even, I guess, 10 years later after Harry and Sally first met, he had gotten married and then uh, his wife left him and all these other things happened. It's just like, man, like time affects these different relationships and and it's not as constant as you think it's going to be, which I thought was a, it, it wasn't something that got brought up a lot, but it was something that stood out to me. I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, they go through a lot in between each of those vignettes. And I think that's something that we saw in the format of like planes, trains, and automobiles that mm-hmm. a strong comedy is able to exist scene to scene and yeah. not rely on necessarily the overall narrative to be the actual, you know, comedy of it. Like that is a vehicle for telling the story. But this this definitely has an overall archer of can they be friends can they be more than friends Um, but each individual scene explores that in a unique way and that uniqueness comes from what they have experienced in between in the scenes that we aren't seeing yeah absolutely so basically we're able to explore and experience billy crystal's marriage without ever having been in the marriage Mm -hmm. it's the idea of starting each story at the latest possible point like yep. we didn't, we don't need to see him getting a divorce. Let's see him, you know, dealing with the divorce, yeah. uh, because then you're able to have a much more efficient and effective conversation about it from a narrative perspective. Yeah, and another interesting thing that they do is they just show you, and we've talked about this with like beats and patterning. They show you different times of year. Um, like this is by far one of my favorite Christmas movies, uh, because, uh, they have two Christmas scenes, but the one Christmas scene where they are getting a Christmas tree together Mm -hmm. and then a year later with Sally just getting a Christmas tree by herself 
like playing the same kind of music and it just mirroring just the difference of uh, time and passages, even um, with New Year's Eve happening differently for both of them and how it happened one way with their relationship being intact and everything being simpler. And then another year where everything's so complicated and difficult. And it's, it's just so cool how they can just visually show that without, you know, hammering, uh, hammering the point on you. It's just like, look at how different this is. Yeah. It's no character like, ever says, wow, this was so different last year. <laughs> I think my favorite thing uh, has to be the charade scene, which is like baby fish mouth. Ba- oh, the ba- pictionary, ba- yeah. baby fish mouth. Yeah, oh. uh, yeah. It, it's it's a solid movie. It, it's just solid. It's great, and uh, and and this movie just we owe so many of our favorite genres uh, in the romantic comedy genre to this movie and like what it opened up. For possibility because like i would argue if we did not get this movie we would not have how much your mother uh which some would argue would be a good thing uh based off of the finale that happened but uh, those, those people are hurtful <laughs> and very very bitter uh and but no a bad finale does not spoil an entire series it does. just it... look at seinfeld <laughs> true very true uh, and I we, still think that we can all have the spinoff that we're destined to have from How I Met Your Mother, Martial, Martial Law. Law. Let's follow the career of the Ericsons <laughs> in the criminal justice system. <laughs> oh, man, that would be amazing. Uh, but now we're going to go into one of my favorite parts of the show, Recast and Remakes. Recast and Remakes. That's That's right. Royalty-free bumper music. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, so uh, this movie, uh, some would argue, has already been remade over and over again. Uh, Mm. But what we're going to do is we're going to uh, talk about uh, if we were to – if this movie were to be remade currently, um, who would be recast and or uh, what would the remake premise be for that movie if it were made currently? I'll go ahead and get it started off. I would love for them to do a remake of this movie because there was this moment where I think it was the moment right when Sally called Harry when she found out that Joe was getting married, which, by the way, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't call my exes to tell them that I'm getting married. Like, did did you? Uh, Not once. (laughs) Like is that like something that you that you do in 1989 or because that was a thing that like I, I get that that was it, it's just what happened uh, but like what a weird thing to do just like hey yeah. so I'm getting married ex girlfriend so what do you want me to do with that information right uh, but anyway <laughs> and yeah. during that scene I was like oh an ex did something that caused someone else to act. And that made me think of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm. So I would love to see a remake done in Scott Pilgrim fighting style, like arcade thing where it's like when Harry, or when Harry met Sally versus the world or Harry and Sally versus the world. Um, because I love Scott Pilgrim. Uh, and they would just like throughout their friendship, they would battle each other's exes in a certain way and then find out that they, um, 
were romantically in love with each other and then that whole story plays along like i i thought it could have a lot of fun with um playing into that style and genre yeah so you would really modernize the crud oh, yeah. out of this thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah they'd be way younger and it would have like this video game and music mechanic to it like i just started thinking about like how i could like re-edit that into the scott pilgrim trailer Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it could happen. I would probably keep it in the same time period because now, if you did a movie that took place in the eighties, you'd be like, "Oh, what a cool choice, the Goldbergs." And so <laughs> it like it would just be kind of fun for casting. I would like to see Zoe Deschanel, uh, as, of course, uh, the Meg Ryan character, yeah, um, as Sally, and then. Uh, even though they've already been on screen together before, Josh Gad as Harry. Oh, nice. And it doesn't have to be a weird physical thing. Yeah. It's just like, well, because Josh Gad and Billy Crystal have very similar timing anyway. Like, if you yep. ever watch comedians, they like they are kind of cut from the same cloth. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think that, that Zoe Deschanel would be able to play the arc that Sally has. Um, and that the changing philosophies that she that she has throughout the film, yeah. So I think that I think that'd be a pretty good pairing. If not, then uh, Jennifer Lawrence and I don't know. Let's say Bradley Cooper. <laughs> oh, dude, wait, that's excellent. No, I uh, know. I just, I just. Dude, why have they not done that before? I don't know. It's like Hollywood, give us what we want. Uh, yeah, man. Like people who are naysaying that really need to look at the silver lining. The silver lining. <laughs> so what proud of that. What a joy that is. <laughs> yeah, I think... Okay, so here's what I would love to see. Um, I would love to see the same thing, basically the same story, but with Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, because I just got done watching... Uh, I didn't just finish currently, but I recently saw Grease Live. And oh. forgot uh, how much of a gem Kiki Palmer is. Uh, so Donald Glover and Kiki Palmer, uh, same kind of time period, um, and it's them like like them jumping from like the eighties. But also, I would shift it forward a little bit. I would have it instead of starting in the seventies, it would start in the eighties and then go into the nineties um, instead of seventies into the eighties. Uh, and I would just love to see just like that background setting because I would love. I would love there to be – I like the team-up of, like, a comedian and, like, a traditional actor, mm-hmm. uh, like, playing those roles. And I would love to see, like, Donald Glover act in those ways. And I think he'd have a lot of fun uh, playing uh, those kind of characters. Yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah, because Kiki Palmer – because, I, I mean, I only remember her from Aquila and the Bee. And then I haven't seen her uh, in much – things since then I, I know she's in like scream queens but she was really great in grease live i was like oh yeah she'd be great yeah that'd be a good pairing and then um okay now i would like lo- I, I know it's a little too campy not not campy but like i saw the trailer for my big fat greek wedding 2 oh yeah that yes i yeah, i watched that trailer i would love for there to be one about uh, Harry and Sally's kids, mm-hmm. um, or 
child, like, I'm, I, it might be too much to think that it would be like two storylines of two kids and how they ended up falling in love. But like, I would love for there to be when Henry met Julia. Ah, okay. So when yeah. Henry met Julia. <laughs> In that movie, it's uh, it's about like their kids going off to college, mm-hmm. and then like progressively, like find, following their relationships throughout these different vignettes, and you know it's either it, the difference is is a couple interviews. It's always Harry and Sally, but it's just we see the rest of their relationship play out, like and it kind of patterns when. Uh, how they respond to their children, just like, hey, so here's this embarrassing story when our child was five and what we learned as parents or what we saw. And I think that that could be, I, I think that would be a fun, inspired sequel. Yeah, kind of a, to... a girl meets world sort of take. Yeah. If we're going with the formula that can't lose with sequels, uh-huh. I think you have Larry the Cable Guy trying to win <laughs> back Meg Ryan. <laughs> And just call it when Larry met Sally. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, man, that guy is the king of sequels. The king of sequels. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's hard to think of it outside of uh, anything else because it's so solid. Mm-hmm. And because the movie does jump through different time periods because, you know, the late 80s is the setting, it doesn't date itself that much it just shows you oh this is like this time period like when they were in the 70s i noticed that um, you know billy crystal was wearing bell bottoms yeah and you know no one was really using cell phones or anything like that and that didn't stop anything from happening per se like i was watching it with my wife and when Harry was running at the end, she was saying, he's like, oh, so I guess cell phones don't exist. And I said, you don't understand. He's not trying to call her. He's trying to see her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I was just. Yeah, modern day. I was like, I didn't know how you felt till I saw the emoji. <laughs> you put the two hearts there. It's oh. the two hearts. I saw it, that you really meant it. Yeah, because technology really. Even with this movie, with people calling on landlines, it was all about communication. And it was never about miscommunication. Like, they didn't do anything like, oh, well, he broke up. Like, uh, he had a bad signal, so I heard that he said that he hates me. You know, like, it wasn't that. It was just like, hey, I'm, like, that scene when they call their best friends and, like, just the timing and the rhythm of the scene where they're both telling each other that they slept together. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, yes, like, oh, I just, that's a, such a perfect scene. Like, I just love that. And so I would have loved to see that happen, but like through text or something, just like, oh, uh, yeah. like Sherlock, like text little windows mm-hmm. start showing up and they respond at the same time. And, uh, and that would have been just so fun to see. Uh, but yeah, I think it could do, I think it could do really well in modern day. Uh, which some would argue is probably like 500 Days of Summer if you haven't seen that movie. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I was with you when we saw it in theaters. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, I still have to return your soundtrack, by the way. What? (laughs) I'll ship it to you. I just found it the other day. I'll ship it to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I Man, what a great movie. Uh, I think that's as good of a transition as ever, flawlessly, to uh, go to uh, our favorite part of the show called Head Cannon, uh, where Head we share. Head Cannon. 
headcanon is where we share unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. And uh, I think my, I, I'm actually very proud of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The headcanon is that um, Harry mm-hmm. is Sally. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, my, no. my real headcanon is this. So the scene where Harry and Sally are inside of the bookstore mm-hmm. is actually the bookstore that inspired You've Got Mail. They spy each other at oh. the bookstore called Shakespeare & Co. on Broadway in 79th. Yeah. So the store closed after Barnes & Noble came up. Um, and Efron was actually inspired to write a romantic comedy around like the struggle between the two, um, you know, small town versus like big time thing. Um, it's so, you know, that was inspired by that. But then there was a scene where uh, Sally was sitting next to her computer. I was like, huh, I wonder, like, I would like in my brain, I'm like, well, I want, Harry and Sally to stay together. So how can I make this work? And I'm just like, oh, well, we never hear about uh, Sally's family. So my headcanon is that um, Sally's little sister is who um, Meg Ryan plays in You've Got Mail. Oh, they're connected. Yep. There's probably going to be a lot more of that throughout the month. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, Kathleen Kelly is uh, the character that Meg Ryan plays. But who knows uh, how that... Uh, I will not think too much into it. I want that headcanon to be solid. So, that's it. Yeah, they're really... Yeah, I never worry too much about the names. Yeah. 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 Uh, instead of a headcanon, uh, I actually have a restructure okay. in the way that you can watch it, which affects the way that you think about the story. Um, and that's applying basically the memento format to it where you start from the final time chunk and work backwards through each of the chunks. So, uh, yeah, you work backwards in time. So you start out seeing that they they are together. Um, and actually, the first thing you would see would be the very last little bit when they're older and they talk about how they've been married for so long. And then you would flash back and see they were miserable and then they got together. We'll cut back to that. And then they were just friends and cut back to that. And they actually hated each other and cut back to that. And that the last thing you see is when Harry met Sally. Yeah. That's how you do it. CBS. Oh, my that's gosh. how you do it. <laughs> totally. No, that's really solid. I like that. Oh, man, I'm surprised I didn't even make this connection. I would love for the structure of when Harry met Sally to be applied to Himium and have Mm -hmm. that basically be like the inspired remake of the movie. That actually plays into a project that I'm very interested in where you can take any series and try to get it down to two hours. Can a series actually tell the story of a movie? That's good. Because if it can't, then the format is defensible. If it can, then the writing is not defensible. You know what I mean? Looking at you, two and a half men. <laughs> men. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Because one of the things I love so much about this movie is it's one of those movies that kind of shows you just the slice of life of these people's lives. And it's mm-hmm. not 
necessarily about what's actually happening per se. Like you see the relationships and some of the things that are happening, but um, for example, when they do meet back up with each other and they start hanging out more, they, their friendship starts to develop more, but it's not about their friendship developing per se. It's about them being friends throughout these different times in life. And I love that so, so much. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, the thing that this movie does really well is it lets these scenes breathe. Like, I love uh, the scene where uh, Harry is saying, listen, the obituary, they should match up the obituaries with the real estate section in the newspaper. Like, they're just talking. Like, the, that scene isn't being driven forward. Like, that scene didn't drive the plot forward, or that conversation didn't drive the plot forward so much so as it did show how their relationship and their conversations exist and how that adds on to Mm -hmm. the story. Um, And I feel like it's good as it is, you know, like we don't need, we needed them to become friends and we need to see them be friends in these different environments um, instead of it needing to be about something else. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like I really, really dug that. And so, I, I, I totally agree with being able to condense those stories down to those moments that just that speak volumes instead of just telling them like, hey, we're best friends because we are showing the friendships um, and cutting down, like trimming the fat uh, yeah. makes it great. This is also a um, basically a live action version of Beauty and the Beast. Barely even friends. Then somebody bends unexpectedly, both a little scared, neither one prepared when Harry met Sally. All right, Disney, we gave it to you on a silver platter. That's how you do it, ABC. (laughs) That's really good. I never made that connection. Well, part of why it works is because Disney is really good at just saying their broad strokes ideas. It'd be like basically... They just need a song that's called Father-Son Dynamic, and it would be like the most popular song Disney ever made. Yep. We have a father-son dynamic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I wanted us to have a little bit of time uh, to talk about the overall premise of the movie, which is, can, and a heteronormative environment, can men and women be just friends? I thought this was a movie podcast. <laughs> Are we sponsored by Dr. Phil? Uh, what you need to do is let him know that you have opinions. That was my Dr. Phil impression. The end of it was really good. <laughs> the beginning of it was Southern Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> okay, so I think that's as good as any of the time to uh, go ahead and transition to our reasons to recommend. Uh, Grayson, I'll let you start it off. Why would you recommend this movie? It is masterfully written. Nora Ephron is one of my favorite screenwriters ever. Um, And it's a shame that we don't get any more of her uh, brilliance, but it really is captured in uh, in this screenplay here. It's well acted by Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, Carrie Fisher by Bruno Kirby uh, and uh, and well directed by by Rob Reiner. So I feel like you get a lot of great talent that is 
really coalescing into uh, into this piece. And it brings up a lot of really interesting topics that you can debate on. And whether you agree with the conclusion of the film or not, uh, the journey of it is undeniably interesting and fun. I mean, maybe you can deny it, but who's got time for that? Yeah, totally. Uh, I... This this is one of my all time favorite movies, uh, especially with me uh, being a romantic. I just love the journey that this movie takes you on. I highly mm-hmm. recommend it because, um, like we've said before, this was like one of the quintessential romantic comedy movies. There were s- certainly many before it and many after it, but the way that we kind of define the genre today is reflected in this movie like this movie set the standard for so many different movies um following it especially you know once we get later on to the megaphone uh you've got mail or um any other romantic comedy uh that involves uh new york or chicago really um, yeah. but it is it's sweet it is it feels honest and real like i feel like these characters were real especially with how much we got to see them just being people uh, and their everyday life. Like they went out to eat and just had conversations a lot. Um, and they just walked around New York just being friends and hanging out. And I thought that was just really, really cool. And if you are looking for a movie to uh, watch, to laugh and potentially cry, if that's what you're into when you're watching uh, rom-coms, uh, I highly recommend it. And if you're looking for a surprising horror film, watch <laughs> Pillow Talk. <laughs> and that is our review of When Harry Met Sally. Uh, let us know what you think on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. Let us know what you thought uh, or what you think of the movie, if you have seen it from your past or what you thought of our review. And even more specifically, if you can share what you thought of our review on iTunes. Uh, we will love it. And we will uh, look at the review in five years and then remember how important it was that you left the review. And then maybe in 12 years, in three months, um, we'll have a wonderful wedding. Um, mm. yeah. It has like a coconut cake. And um, all of our friends will be invited. Hmm. Seems... Like a long game to play. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much uh, for listening to the Flashback Flicks podcast. Uh, and be sure to tune in next time where we. Well, we're watching Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if volcanoes are your thing, then you'll definitely want to take a <laughs> listen. <laughs> Joe versus the volcano. Ah, continuing the Megathon with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Yeah, so be sure to tune in next time here on the Flashback Flicks podcast. And until then, remember to be kind and rewind.